0: Welcome to this E-Cystic Fibrosis Review Podcast. I'm Bob Busker, Managing Editor of E-Cystic Fibrosis Review. We're here today with Dr. Elliot Dazenbrook, Director of the Adult Cystic Fibrosis Program at the Cleveland Clinic, to discuss how the use of multiple inhaled antibiotic agents can improve pulmonary outcomes in patients with cystic fibrosis. E-Cystic Fibrosis Review is jointly presented by the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine and the Institute for Johns Hopkins Nursing. This program is supported by educational grants from Gilead Sciences Incorporated, Vertex Pharmaceuticals Incorporated, the Incorporated, and GEC USA Incorporated. Learning objectives for this audio program include summarize selected patient populations that may benefit from the addition of a second inhaled antibiotic, and describe currently used regimens of continuous alternating therapy with multiple inhaled antibiotics. Dr. Dazenbrook has disclosed that he has received consultant and disease state education speaker fees from Gilead Sciences and Vertex Pharmaceuticals. He has also indicated that he would be referencing the unlabeled or unapproved use of inhaled colistin in conjunction with inhaled tobramycin and or inhaled estrianam in an every-other-month alternating format. Dr. Dazenbrook, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Looking forward to it. In your recent newsletter issue, doctor, you analyzed the recent evidence describing the role of multiple inhaled antibiotics in improving lung function in people with cystic fibrosis. What I'd like to do today is discuss how some of that information can be applied to clinical practice. So start us out, if you would please, Dr. Dasenbrook, with a patient scenario.
1: Jennifer is a 24-year-old living with cystic fibrosis. She has two copies of Delta F508, and her baseline lung function is 60% predicted, and her BMI is 20. Her cystic fibrosis is complicated by chronic sinusitis, pancreatic insufficiency, CF-related arthritis, and chronic respiratory tract infection with mucoid pseudomonas aeruginosa. Jennifer has averaged about one hospitalization for intravenous antibiotics per year since her freshman year of high school. She also takes oral antibiotics another two to three times per year. She's graduated college and is working full-time as a social worker. Jennifer is already spending a lot of time each day doing her treatments and exercise. And while she tries her best, she shares that she does miss about one time per week. She is frustrated by her lung function and symptoms and asks if there's anything else she can do to improve her lung health.
0: Chronic mucoid pseudomonas, chronic sinusitis, an FEV of only 60% predicted. She's frustrated about how much time her daily treatment requires and how her symptoms never seem to be getting better. What she wants to know is what else can be done. What do you tell her, doctor?
1: So this is a common conversation that we will have in the clinic with many of our patients. And so I really believe that in the cystic fibrosis clinic, that it's a whole team that's working with the patients. And the most important part of that team is the patient themselves. And they're kind of the leader of the team. And so view the CF team as consultants to the patient. And so we really have to understand what's important to the patient. I think if you talk to a lot of CF clinicians, you know we tend to hone in on the FEV1 and what's their lung function. But when we talk to patients and what's important to them in terms of their lung health, a lot of times they'll focus on their symptoms on a day-to-day basis. They have to live with this disease every day of their life. And then second, how much time are they having to spend to do their treatments? Another common question in clinic is, how can I reduce the amount of time that I'm spending doing my treatments or my exercise, and still maintain their lung health.
0: Putting the patient at the center of the treatment decisions, that generally requires educating the patient, making sure they know what options are available and the potential positives and negatives of each choice. Most of that evidence-based information is in the guidelines. So my question is, how do you work the guideline-based recommendations into your discussion with a patient about their treatment options? Uh, Can you model something for us?
1: So this can definitely be a difficult conversation to have within a busy clinic. And so I'll often use an analogy about working in the fundamentals in CF. So even though we're all experts in CF, if we look at basketball players, so for example, I'm in Cleveland, so I'll use LeBron James, and he is obviously an expert basketball player. But every day, He shoots 100 free throws. He works on his dribbling. He works on the fundamentals of basketball every day. And in CF, we want to make sure that we're doing the same thing. And so before we start making kind of complex tweaks to their chronic pulmonary regimen, I say, let's make sure that we're doing the fundamentals best as possible first. And so I'll go to the Peter McGazel and colleagues guidelines that were recently published and say, hey, let's go through each of these. Are you eligible for a modulator? And if so, are you taking it correctly? Second, are we attacking your inflammation with daily azithromycin? Third, are we making sure that you're taking hypertonic saline and dornase alpha, as well as treatments for your lung disease? Let's review your exercise protocol, and then what devices are you using to help with your airway clearance, such as the vest or PEP devices. And then finally, if patients are chronically infected with respiratory tract pseudomonas, what's their inhaled antibiotic regimen? And so these are the types of talks that we will have regarding guideline-based therapy as part of their treatment options.
0: The patient you described, Jennifer, she stated that she misses some of her treatments. How do you think that may be contributing to her symptoms and to her lung function problems?
1: Yeah, so this is a very common scenario that we run into in clinic. You know, As patients know, this is a chronic disease that they live with every single day. They're going to miss treatments. And so I try and set up a scenario where they are comfortable sharing with me and and with the rest of the team, what they're actually doing for their treatment regimen. And so I'll share an analogy with them. You know, I'll say, hey, look, when I go to the dentist and the dentist asks me if I've been flossing, I say, yes you know i've been flossing but i really just restarted it 3 days before i came to my appointment and so you have to have a scenario where patients feel comfortable sharing what they're actually doing because the easy thing is just to add on more treatments right but if they're not doing what you think that they're doing then the answer is let's identify the barriers to doing your treatment so that we can address those and then improve your symptoms and lung function because we do know that when patients are missing treatment that they're going to be more symptomatic, and that their lung function decline is going to accelerate.
0: Tell us more about Jennifer's inhaled treatment regimen and specifically which antibiotics
1: she's been using. Jennifer is on inhaled tobramycin, one month on and one month off. She's noticed increased symptoms in her off month, and when she looks back, she stated that that's the time when she seems to be getting most of her oral antibiotic courses.
0: So, would you consider recommending a change in her inhaled antibiotic treatment? And if so, what treatment options would you consider?
1: So, when we consider making a change to her treatment, I think one obvious example is looking at multiple inhaled antibiotics. And the literature can really help us with this common scenario. So, first, this is happening in the CF community. When we look at the United States CF patient registry, we published a study showing that the prevalence of multiple inhaled antibiotics has more than doubled since the introduction of inhaled aztreonam. So this is a common practice. Second, there was a study, a comparative efficacy trial done comparing inhaled aztreonam to inhaled tobramycin, and what this study showed is that when we added inhaled aztreonam to a group of patients who were already on inhaled tobramycin for at least a year that inhaled aztreonam showed significant improvements in lung function. What I take away from this study is that one treatment we can consider is switching between inhaled antibiotics every 6 to 12 months. And that may be a reasonable alternative for Jennifer. Another potential option is doing continuous alternating therapy. And this is probably what's most commonly already occurring in the United States. And so Patrick Flum and colleagues conducted a double blind randomized control trial comparing inhaled astrianam and tobramycin to just inhaled tobramycin. 90 subjects were randomized to either multiple 28 day cycles of inhaled astrianam or placebo, alternating with 28 days of inhaled tobramycin. And what this study showed us was that first, it was safe. And second, It was difficult to enroll because patients were already on this therapy. So it ended up being underpowered, but it had an important trend towards reduction in pulmonary exacerbations. So when we're sitting with our patients and discussing the balances of increased treatment burden with symptoms and less pulmonary exacerbations, we can use these two studies to come up with a potential regimen that may be beneficial for that individual patient.
0: So you place Jennifer as the center, the the keystone, so to speak the center of her care. What changes did she ultimately decide to make?
1: Well, Jennifer had a very busy life. She is a social worker. She's working full-time, but she really wanted to improve her respiratory symptoms and, and her lung function. So she said that she was willing to invest time in the continuous alternating regimen with the inhaled uh, antibiotics, but wanted to know if there was anything else she could do to kind of minimize her time doing those treatments. So what we ended up doing was we opted for a regimen of inhaled aztreonam and the powder formulation of inhaled tobramycin.
0: Well, thank you for that case and discussion, doctor. And we'll return with Dr. Elliot Dazenbrook in just a moment. You've been listening to a Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine e Cystic Fibrosis Review podcast. If you're unfamiliar with our program, we're a combination newsletter and podcast continuing educational series. We're available online without cost or prerequisite. E Cystic Fibrosis Review newsletters are published every other month. Each issue focuses on a specific area of importance in the care of patients with cystic fibrosis and is authored by an expert clinician who reviews the current literature and provides commentary. In the month following each newsletter, a case-based podcast discussion, like the one you've been listening to, focuses that expert perspective on translating the new information into clinical practice. Continuing education credit for E-Cystic Fibrosis Review is jointly provided by the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine and the Institute for Johns Hopkins Nursing. For more information about E-Cystic Fibrosis Review, please go to our website, e And if you're interested in additional CF programs, please visit dkbmed.com forward slash CF. And one more thing, if you've enjoyed this podcast and found the information useful, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts so that others can find it as well. Thank you. Welcome back to this cystic Fibrosis Review Podcast. We've been speaking with Dr. Elliot Dazenbrook, Director of the Adult Cystic Fibrosis Program at the Cleveland Clinic, about the potential advantages of treating CF lung disease with multiple inhaled antibiotics. So to continue in that clinical vein, if you would please, doctor, bring us another patient scenario.
1: John is a 32-year-old male with advanced stage CF lung disease who's in the process of being referred for lung transplant evaluation. He has two copies of Delta F 508 and is on modulator therapy. His FEV1, after completing IV antibiotic treatment, is usually around 35%. He requires IV antibiotics every two to three months on average. His sputum cultures include two strains of multidrug-resistant mucoid pseudomonas, and he also cultures stenotrophomonas. He has a drug allergy to tobramycin.
0: He's got advanced lung disease, he's got MDR mucoid pseudomonas, and stenotrophomonas. What are your initial thoughts about how to approach treatment for this patient?
1: So I think one of the initial thoughts that I would have for John is looking at his inhaled antibiotic regimen. In our study, uh, looking at practice patterns for multiple inhaled antibiotics in the U.S., approximately half of all individuals with advanced stage lung disease, such as John, are taking a continuous alternating multiple antibiotic therapy regimen. Second, as patients get older, it's common to see multiple different infections. So not only pseudomonas, but something else, such as stenotrophomonas. In John's case, sometimes we see MRSA or other infections, such as acromobacter. So in John's case, I would definitely consider a continuous alternating inhaled antibiotic regimen, but I would not include inhaled tobramycin since he has an allergy to this.
0: Are there any clinical trials that can help determine an effective regimen?
1: So it's very difficult to design clinical studies looking at inhaled antibiotics in the current era, especially in patients with advanced stage lung disease. But a study from Belgium is particularly relevant in this particular situation for John. Vanderkerkove and colleagues looked at their local CF clinic. So this is a retrospective study and looked between 2010 and 2015 and realized that about half of their patients were actually receiving multiple inhaled antibiotics. And so those patients were declining in lung function prior to the initiation of the second inhaled antibiotic. And then after it was added their lung function improved. And this is quite an impressive finding because these patients were sick and you would expect them to continue on that trajectory. Interestingly, in Belgium, the majority of the regimens did not include inhaled tobramycin. So again, this is very relevant to John's experience. And what they used a high percentage of was inhaled colistin. So as a result for John, I would consider uh, multiple inhaled antibiotic regimen that included inhaled colistin, and I would also get coverage against stenotrophomonas.
0: Inhaled colistin—that's not approved in the U.S.
1: That is correct.
0: How often is it used here
1: in the United States? Inhaled colistin is used in about 12% of CF patients. Usually, we see it in those with multiple infections, especially pseudomonas, stenotrophomonas, and acromobacter.
0: So this patient, again, at the center of his treatment decision-making, what did he end up choosing as his regimen?
1: John was already on every other month inhaled astrianam So we added inhaled colistin, 150 milligrams, twice daily, every other month to alternate with astrianam with the goal of stabilizing his lung function, hopefully preventing pulmonary exacerbations, and providing additional coverage against his stenotrophomonas.
0: Thank you, Dr. Dazenbrook, for sharing your expertise and insight in today's cases. Let's wrap things up now by reviewing the key takeaways as they relate to our learning objectives. So, our first learning objective, patient populations that might benefit from the addition of a second inhaled antibiotic. What's most important for clinicians to know?
1: Number one, treatment of chronic respiratory tract pseudomonas aeruginosa with inhaled antibiotics is a key component of maintaining CF lung health. Second, the CF Foundation guidelines regarding the use of chronic medications for the maintenance of lung health strongly recommend the use of inhaled aztreonam and inhaled tobramycin. However, the guidelines do not address alternative approaches to the administration of inhaled antibiotic therapy, such as continuous cycling of inhaled antibiotics. Finally, in selected patients with chronic respiratory tract pseudomonas, such as those that are symptomatic in their off month or experiencing a decline in lung function despite treatment with monotherapy. In my opinion, the data supports a trial of treatment with multiple inhaled antibiotics.
0: And our second learning objective, the currently used regimens of continuous alternating therapy with multiple inhaled antibiotics. Doctor?
1: So the use of multiple inhaled antibiotics has become a common practice in individuals with CF and chronic respiratory tract pseudomonas, especially among those with more advanced lung disease. Potential regimens for treatment with multiple inhaled antibiotics for individuals with chronic respiratory tract pseudomonas include one, continuous alternating therapy with rotating 28-day cycles of inhaled aztreonam, followed by 28 days of inhaled tobramycin, or two, Treatment with a single inhaled antibiotic for three to six months, followed by treatment with a second inhaled antibiotic for the same period of time. In the United States, the most common regimen is alternating inhaled S and inhaled tobramycin. Consideration can be given for inhaled colistin in patients who have allergies or also culture stenotrophomonas or acromobacter.
0: Dr. Elliot Dazenbrook from the Adult Cystic Fibrosis Program at the Cleveland Clinic, thank you for participating in this e Cystic Fibrosis Review podcast. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. For e Cystic Fibrosis Review, I'm Bob Busker. To receive CME credit for this activity, please take the post test at www.ecysticfibrosisreview.org forward slash test. This podcast is presented in conjunction with the E-Cystic Fibrosis Review Newsletter, a peer-reviewed literature review certified for CME CE credit, emailed monthly to clinicians treating patients with cystic fibrosis. This activity has been developed for the CF care team, including pulmonologists, pediatric pulmonologists, gastroenterologists, pediatricians, infectious disease specialists, respiratory therapists, dieticians, nutritionists, pharmacists, nurses and nurse practitioners, physical therapists, and others involved in the care of patients with cystic fibrosis. There are no fees or prerequisites for this activity. This activity has been planned and implemented in accordance with the essential areas and policies of the Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education through the joint sponsorship of the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine and the Institute for Johns Hopkins Nursing. The Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine is accredited by the ACCME to provide continuing medical education for physicians. The Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine designates this enduring material for a maximum of 0.5 AMA PRA Category 1 credits. Physicians should claim only the credit commensurate with the extent of their participation in this activity. The Institute for Johns Hopkins Nursing is accredited as a provider of continuing nursing education by the American Nurses Credentialing Center's Commission on Accreditation. For nurses, this 0.5 contact hour educational activity is provided by the Institute for Johns Hopkins Nursing. Each podcast carries a maximum of 0.5 contact hour. This educational resource is provided without charge, but registration is required. To register to receive E-Cystic Fibrosis Review via email, please go to our website, www.ecysticfibrosisreview.org. The opinions and recommendations expressed by faculty and other experts whose input is included in this program are their own. This enduring material is produced for educational purposes only. Use of the names of the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine and the Institute for Johns Hopkins Nursing implies review of educational format, design, and approach. Please review the complete prescribing information for specific drugs, combinations of drugs, or use of medical equipment, including indication, contraindications, warnings, and adverse effects before administering therapy to patients. E-Cystic Fibrosis Review is supported by educational grants from Gilead Sciences Incorporated, Vertex Pharmaceuticals Incorporated, AbbVie Incorporated, and to USA Incorporated. This program is copyrighted with all rights reserved by the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine and the Institute for Johns Hopkins Nursing.